hear me? No. Nar. Oh, there it is. Hello, everyone. Welcome to College Gathering. You guys glad to be here? Welcome. Glad to see you guys. Good evening. Well, my name is Cody. If we haven't met, I would love to meet you after this. Okay, guys, we're, gonna, we're about to do something a little different. Okay? A little different. Everybody all right? Does it feel like a good night to do something a little different? Yeah? Okay. So what we're going to do, okay, real quick, any Baptists in here? If I said pass the peace, do you know what I'm saying? No, great. It doesn't matter because we're doing it. Okay, so what I want you guys to do for the next couple minutes is to stand up. Greet somebody that you don't know. Okay, introverts, I'm sorry. I'll call us back in a minute. Hey there, hey there. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Everybody get the wiggles out. I'll kill you. Hey, peace be with you, bro. Another handshake? Okay. All right, guys. Another 30 seconds. All right. Introverts, we're all done. Extroverts, chill out. All right, y'all. Okay, a share of hands. Who loved it? It's pretty good. Who, who hated it? Be honest, we know you're in here. Okay, not that many, guys. Did we just, I think we just started something. I think, I think we just started something. So we may be doing that from now on out. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Welcome, guys. Welcome. We are so, 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 so glad you're here. The reason why we're doing that is because tonight is not going to be short. Get your wiggles out. I mean, we're going to buckle up. We're going to be here for a minute. It's going to be good. Kind of kidding, kind of kidding. But anyways, hope you guys um, feel welcome. We're so glad that you guys are here. Welcome back. We hope you guys enjoyed our first John series over the past few weeks. Did you guys enjoy hearing from Mitchell last week? Yeah. Shout out, he's the best. As a, as a college ministry, we try to bounce back and forth between topical sermon series, which is what we're gonna be starting back tonight, and scriptural, you know, just going through books of the Bible. So last week we talked about First John, going through, you know, just scripture. This week we're back in a more of a topical sermon series. And so tonight, you can see it up on the screen, we are jumping into another sermon series for the month of November. But if you have been around Redeemer 
long enough, you know that no one actually calls November, November, but we call it Govember. That is right, Govember. I've been here at Redeemer, both on staff and as a student for nearly 10 years. And each fall within the college ministry and the church, we cover all things missions, going, cross-cultural sending, and putting the need to take the gospel to the ends of the earth before you. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to jump into our Govember sermon series. And so over the next three weeks, obviously we're off for Thanksgiving. This is what we're going to be talking about. And so if you are in here and you consider yourself a Christian, you should care about this sermon series. I do not care if you view or you call yourself like the missions guy or the missions gal. If you are a follower of Jesus in here, you should care about what we are talking about tonight. For the Christian in the room, there are about 3.4 billion reasons why you should care about what we are talking about tonight. That is the number of people who are considered today a part of unreached people groups, UPGs for short, 3.4 billion people. There are 3.4 billion people who are living their lives today, going to school, hanging out with their friends, dealing with the ups and the downs of life on planet earth with little or no access to scripture, to Christians, or to the hope of the gospel. 3.4 billion, not million, billion people are living and dying today with no good news about a man who died for their sins. You should care about what we're talking about tonight because of that. That's nearly 42% of the world's population. So if you're looking at this room, it would be about almost half of you guys. About half of this room would be a part of an unreached people group with little to no access to the gospel, to Christians, or to scripture. Can you imagine that? Can you actually imagine being a part of one of the 3.4 billion people that we're talking about? Can you imagine a world in which you do all of the same things on the very same planet, living life, growing up, going to school, making friends, going to college, yet never, ever even getting the chance to believe in Jesus, never even getting to the, the chance to hear about God's love for you? This is the reality that 3.4 billion people are living in today, Real people, just like you. We should care about missions because Christ cares about missions and because Christ has called us, the church, to care about missions. We're gonna, we're gonna be talking about this verse a lot tonight and over the next few weeks, but Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it's gonna be up on the screen. Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These are Jesus's last words. This is the great commission or the great command or the great task. These are Jesus's words. Go baptize and teach. You will hear this passage a lot this month because it's important. We should care about missions because as we'll see throughout the series, God is calling each and every single one of us as followers of Jesus to leverage our lives for the sake of reaching those 3.4 billion people with the good news of Jesus. God is calling all of us in Christ to participate in this task. God wants 
to use you, regardless of who you are and regardless of what you do with your time and with your job, God wants to use you to accomplish this task. But what exactly is the task? What are missions and what is the missionary task as found in scripture? Well, that's what we're talking about tonight. That's, and that's what this sermon is called, missions and the missionary task. Many of us, uh, myself included, we like to complicate the clear teachings of scripture so as to evade the ask and the task that God is putting before us. And what we are talking about tonight is no difference, is no different. As we will see, the task is clear. The task is clear. Okay, so point number one, missions and the missionary task. What is missions? I remember whenever I was in college, um, you know, last year, just kidding. Uh, but maybe this is, maybe whenever I was in college, this was true. Maybe it's still true now, but true now. But I feel like every, um, if you were to ask a person, just, you know, every, you know, if you just look around and ask people, like, hey, how would you define missions? It's like some of you, like, like we would all define it differently. We would all define it differently. Some of you, some of us would probably define it as like just being nice to people, you know, just generally like be a good person and you're kind of being a missionary. Some of you would say that it's like bringing Xboxes to poor kids in other countries. Some of you would say maybe that it's like a spring break trip handing out food or maybe it's serving in a local food pantry back in your, you know, maybe the inner city of your hometown or maybe it's going on a spring break trip with Send Redeemer, shout out, you should totally do that. Um, you guys can clap for that. It's okay. If not, that's all right. But if you were to ask, thanks guys, thanks guys. If you were to ask all the people you're sitting around, you would probably get some different answer, some variation of a different answer explaining and describing what missions is. I remember whenever I came to faith in high school, right after Jesus saved me, I was signed up for this like spring break missions week at the church that I had now, you know, had just recently started going to. And so what we would do, we would do things like organize a goodwill. We would sort, or sorry, sort and stack food at a local food pantry. We'd pass out flyers about an event that the church was throwing later in the week. Because of that, for the entirety of my life, I thought that that's what missions was. We would be doing good things in the name of Jesus. But today, as I've grown in my faith and as I've grown in my understanding of what missions is, I wouldn't necessarily call that missions today. Those things that I just talked about would be closer akin to like a service project or blessing other people, but not a missions week. At Redeemer, we deeply care about missions and we have a specific way of understanding what this word means based in scripture. Because of that, we want to teach you, college students, we wanna teach you what it means to understand like what missions is, what missions isn't, and just how God wants to use you. I mean, we have this entire, I mean, for the, for the entirety of my 10 years being here, we have always had a Govember for this purpose, to talk to you guys, to talk to our church about what it means to use our lives to reach people who do not know Jesus. Again, missions, it can feel like a very obscure task, but hopefully after tonight, we will see that the task is very clear. So to, to begin our time tonight, I want to define missions along with some other kind of helpful terms that are, you know, maybe adjacent to this term missions. And so this content, it's going to be up on the screen. Uh, this content is taken from one of my old seminary professors, uh, Dr. Paul Aiken, professor of missiology at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And this is how he defines missions and some of these adjacent words. Okay, I'm going to read it. You don't have to, I mean, if you're taking notes, God bless, good luck. But, you know, we're going we're gonna to keep going. So missiology, missiology, missiology is the study of God's mission. Okay, well, what is God's mission? Mission, 
the overarching mission of God, Missio Dei, is to redeem and reconcile those created in his image, missions. The specific activity of the church to carry out the task of mission in the world, specifically the spread of the gospel, making disciples, and planting churches. Finally, missionary. Missionary, a disciple of Jesus set apart by the Holy Spirit, affirmed and sent out from the local church to cross geographic, cultural, and or linguistic barriers as part of a missionary team focused on making disciples, multiplying churches amongst unreached people and places. Okay, again, to recap, missiology, the study of God's mission. Well, what is God's mission? Great question. To redeem and reconcile those created in his image. Well, how do we do that? We do that by missions. Missions, the specific activity of the church to carry out the task of spreading the gospel, making disciples, and planting churches. Who does this task? Missionaries. Who are missionaries? Those are people that God calls, they're sent out from a local church to cross geographic, cultural, and or linguistic barriers for the purpose of seeing people come from death to life. In order to properly understand missions and the missionary task given to believers, you must understand what missions is and what it isn't. According to our definition, again, missions, the specific activity of the church to carry out the task of mission in the world. Let me ask you a question. The missions week I did in high school, would we we say, according to this definition, that that is missions? Would we say that bringing gifts to kids who, you know, maybe need financial assistance or whatever it is, like, is that mission? What about serving impoverished people, hungry people, serving those who are in need, good things? Is that missions? What about walking old ladies across the street? Missions? What about just generally being nice to people? Are these things missions? The answer is no. The answer is no. Devoid from actually sharing the gospel, making true disciples, planting churches, all of these things that we listed, all the good things, they're just, they are acts of service, justice, mercy, and kindness, and that's what they are. And those are great things. Like we want you to do all of the great things. We want you to serve people in your community, to enter into the hardships, to be a blessing. But we need to get one thing straight. These things, again, devoid of the qualifiers that we have talked about so far, they are not missions. And this is not, do not hear me just coming for different churches. This is not a slight at other churches who focus on doing service projects or, you know, anything like that. We would say, we would affirm this is good things that God is doing in the life of that congregation. We just wouldn't call it missions. Again, before we move on, missions, it is the specific activity of the church to carry out the task of God's mission in the world by spreading the gospel, by making disciples and planting churches. Okay, So what is this task then? What is the task that we see in this definition? Point two, what is the missionary task? Okay, so in the Old Testament, Jewish faith uh, that, you know, Christianity comes from, it was more of a come and see type of religion. You had the temple, you had people, it's like, hey, if you wanna come worship God truly, you go to Jerusalem, worship in the temple. Whereas in the New Testament, it is more of a go and tell type of faith. Whereas the Old Testament is a come and see The New Testament is a go and tell type of faith. In the Old Testament, Jewish people, again, they have the temple. In the New Testament, scripture says that we are the temple. Scripture says that we are the temple. Christians have no geographic home in this world. Why? Well, it's because God lives in us. Because of this, we look at the New Testament to understand what this missionary task 
is. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, hope you do. If not, it's cool. It's going to be up on the screen. Turn to Acts 13. We're going to be in Acts 13 and 14, where we're going to be talking about the Apostle Paul's first ever missionary journey. So quick little summary on the Apostle Paul from the book of Acts. Paul, like think high-ranking Jewish like official persecuting the newly expanding church of Jesus. And so as he is on his way to Damascus to persecute the church of Jesus, God basically roundhouses him off a horse on his way to Damascus, and Jesus himself personally converts Paul to the faith. And he gives him the mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, specifically to Jews and to Gentiles. So Paul begins his Paul begins his ministry, and in Acts 13, the church of Antioch was praying, and they were fasting, and God laid this on their hearts. This is Acts 13, 2 through 3, which says this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, for the work to which I have called them. This is God saying that. Then, after praying and fasting, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So what we see here is the local church at Antioch, in an attempt to be faithful to Christ's great commission, they pray, they feel compelled to send out Paul and Barnabas. To do what? To complete the work that God has given them. God was giving them a specific task, a specific missionary work to do. And at the end of this missionary task in Acts 14, it says this, Acts 14, verses 25 through 27. Should be up on the screen in just a second. There we go. It says this, And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia, and from there they sailed back to Antioch. This is after the work that that God had given them. It says this, They had sailed back to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled for the work that they have fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Do you guys see what just happened here? In these two short chapters, we see these dudes sent out to accomplish the task that they were given by God. And as they returned from this task, upon its completion, they told their sending church all about it. The missionary task, students, is not unclear. God gave them something to do and they did it. So how we're gonna spend the remainder of our time tonight is using Acts 13 and 14, along with a resource created by the International Mission Board, which is a ministry of the Southern Baptist Convention, which Redeemer is proudly a part of, to kind of traverse between Acts 13 and Acts 14 to unpack just what this missionary task is. So the IMB, um, or International Mission Board for short, um, says that the missionary task can be broken down into six parts. And there's a little graphic, it's like a little spinny wheel graphic. There you go. Missionary task can be broken into six parts. We're gonna highlight very quickly each part, not spending a ton of time on them. We're doing this because students, we want you to know that what God is asking of the church and what God is asking of you is clear. It's not complicated. It is clear. There's gonna be a graphic up and you can actually leave this up for a minute. Okay, so back to our original question. What is missions? What is the missionary task? Well, we think it's this. We'd agree with this. It's entry. It's evangelism. It's discipleship. It is healthy church formation. It is leadership development. And it is exit. 
Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna piece apart each one of those. So the first one up, missionary task, entry. Entry. So in order to carry out this missionary task, there must be people who need to hear the gospel and we must have access to them. From the 3.4 billion people that we're talking about, there's obviously a need. We need to know what the level of need is and we need to know who the specific people group is that we're trying to reach. We have to understand our ability to physically get to them, to physically get to them. After evaluating all these factors, we go. We see this in Acts 13, verses four through seven, which will be up on the screen, I think. It says this, Acts 13, four through seven. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, again, Paul, Barnabas, they went down to, to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Pallas, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, and sought to hear the word of God. So God called Paul and Barnabas to this specific group, the people of Salamis. They physically entered into the land of these people and they began to talk to them. They began to make initial contact with these people. Okay, so before going any further, you remember the term unreached people group, people who have little to no access to Christians or the gospel. Well, back in Paul's day, you didn't really have to look all that far to find people who didn't know who Jesus was. You didn't have to go far to find an unreached people group. The highest need for Barnabas and Paul was all around them. The highest need was everywhere they went, but they felt called to this specific group of people. Today, very different, very different religious climate. Europe, the Americas, Africa, these are all places that the gospel has been and has a strong presence within. However, there is a geographic location on earth called the 1040 window. Within this 1040 window, this is where most of the world's unreached people groups live, and it's gonna be up on the screen. So in that region in the red, that is where most people who have never, ever heard Jesus, ever, never, ever met a Christian, never, ever seen a Bible, that's where they live, right there, in the 1040 window. At Redeemer, we want to send people here, this is the region of the world where, the, where there is the highest need for the gospel. Most people who live in this region have never heard of Jesus, and at this rate, they will likely die never hearing about Jesus or the gospel or meeting a Christian. Most countries in, the, in this red right here that we're looking at right now are less than 2% Christian. For context, America is about 64% Christian. Texas is about 77% percent Christian, and Lubbock is about 50% Christian. In this 1040 window, if you are looking out at a crowd of 100 people, two, one, or zero of them would be followers of Jesus. Because of this, at Redeemer, at our church, this is where we want to send people. This is where the need is the highest. As you can see, most of these countries are in places where the primary language is not English. So a part of entry, it means that you are to learn the language in order to be effective, okay? That's entry. Next up, missionary task, evangelism. Evangelism. Okay, so regardless of who you are, evangelism is the task of every missionary. Evangelism is a non-negotiable. Some are gifted, but all are called to this work of evangelism. 
Acts 13, verses 8 through the end of the chapter, is a long account of Paul and Barnabas sharing the gospel with both Jews and Gentiles in this city that they were in, ending with these words. This is Acts 13, 48 through 49, which says this. And when the Gentiles heard this, when people who had never ever heard this gospel message before, when they heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many who were appointed to eternal life believed and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. With evangelism, you'll see that the gospel is shared and salvation comes to those who have yet to believe. And we are to share the gospel. We are also to put a decision in front of those whom we are sharing with. The IMB says this, unless we challenge our hearers to respond to the gospel message with repentance and faith, evangelism is incomplete. Let me read that again. Unless we challenge our hearers to respond to the gospel with repentance and faith, evangelism is incomplete. We must put a clear ask before people. We must put an ask before them. Third point up, you've got, you've got entry, you've got evangelism, you've got discipleship. Discipleship, evangelism, it is always connected to discipleship. Always, history of the church, always connected to discipleship. Discipleship, also one of those terms, it's like kind of vague a little bit, uh, but it's things like the teachings around the basic Christian beliefs, how to share the gospel, biblical teachings around holiness and living for Jesus, teaching on the importance of the local church, perseverance and suffering, teachings around new identity in Jesus and the unification of all believers by the blood of Jesus. It's things like this, discipleship. In Acts, we see an element of discipleship found after evangelism in verses 21 through 22, which says this, Acts 14, 21 through 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city that they were called to, that God had given them to serve and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, doing what? Strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. This is discipleship. An element of discipleship we see here is looking new believers in the face and telling them that God will hold them throughout their life of service to him. Little story to help illustrate these first three elements of the missionary task. Again, you got entry, you got evangelism, and you got discipleship. So this is a paraphrase story for the sake of time, not that it's gonna be short regardless, but we're gonna paraphrase it a little bit. Last year, some friends who work and serve at Redeemer, they went to a South Asian megacity, a city that would be considered a part of an unreached people group or have, it has many unreached people groups living within it. Remember, little to no access to the gospel, to a Christian or to scripture. And a team from Redeemer went there on a short-term trip. They were spending time in a dark and oppressive neighborhood. Think like slum level poverty crime. This neighborhood, it was so dark and oppressive that their local Uber driver kept trying to drop them off like a hundred yards like before they actually got to this neighborhood. He's like, okay, here. And they're like, no, no, we know where we're going. He's like, okay, fine, I'll drive a little bit further. He's like, no, 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 like, like, like further down. He's like, no, 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 here. And so he finally dropped them off. They finally got into uh, this neighborhood. Again, like not, not a great start when your Uber driver is not really interested in taking you to where you're trying to go. But, but our team, they finally get to this neighborhood and they begin to train 
this local church of believers, which is basically just a room at that time, on how to evangelize, on how to share the gospel. And they begin to go house to house doing the same people that we train, sorry, doing the same thing that we train people to do here. And all of this obviously is done by way of a translator, but conversations would basically go like this. Hey, my name is so-and-so, and we're just walking around asking people how we can be praying for them. It's a common thing that we do. That's a common way that we train you on how to share your faith and engage with people, basic stuff. And as they were talking to this one family in particular, and after being invited into their tiny home, we're not talking like HGTV tiny home. We're talking like tiny, like one room, and there's like six people in this home. Our team finds out that this woman that they're talking to had a husband who was paralyzed, and the husband's brothers had all died, and they, 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 they were struggling to make it. They were struggling to survive. I, they were all covered in dirt, brutal conditions, like a, like a truly hard life. And after praying for this family, our team begins to share, begins to evangelize to them. They share the story of Jesus, explaining how God has changed their life. And our, begin, our team begins to share about God's love for these people, begin to share about how God sent Jesus to live the perfect life that they should have lived, to die an unjust death in his crucifixion, his bodily resurrection, teaching all the things, sharing all of these details of the gospel with someone who has never in their entire life ever heard of it, all while there's literally idols burning in a little shrine behind them as they're sharing the gospel in an unreached people group on the other side of the world. But as this team, and this team member in particular, was sharing about how Christ rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. This woman who was central, who was a central figure in this home, she stands up. Every time my friend tells a story, I get goosebumps. She stands up, she looks the team directly in the face and she asks them, is this true? She'd never heard the gospel in her whole life. And she says, is this true? Is this really true? Our team through translator says, yes, this is true. And this lady loses it. She loses her mind. This good news about how God came down, made a way for her and her family to be right with him, broke this woman. She had never heard it in her entire life. This team, they called for a response. They asked if she wanted to believe this truth about a God who loved her. And she said, yes. She said, I want to believe. She said, my husband wants to believe. My family wants to believe. She says, everybody I know wants to believe in this. And beyond this, beyond simple, beautiful faith, she asked our team, she says, I want you to teach me how to pray. I want you to teach me how to read scripture, to share with my family. She didn't know it, but what was she asking for? Discipleship, discipleship. God did this and God is doing this around the world. When faithful followers of Jesus enter into new places, when they share the gospel boldly, when they ask for a response, people believe. Why, because they crushed it in their gospel presentation? No, because what we believe is that even before we ever think of going somewhere, God is already doing a work in the people that he's calling us to whether that's here in America or whether that's over on the other side of the world, God is calling a people to himself. It's not our work. It's God's work that we get to be a part of. And once people believe this truth, they are to be discipled. This is a real life story that really happened, illustrating these first three points of the missionary task, entry, evangelism, and discipleship. Next up, after discipleship, you get healthy church and local leadership Formation. Okay, so this is technically two points from the IMB, but we're going to just put them into one for the sake of time. 
we get this dualistic idea of healthy church and local leadership formation from Acts 14, verses 23, which says this. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, every new church, we should say, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the appointment of elders or people to lead the church comes in light of a local congregation that did not exist now coming to existence. You cannot have a local church without local elders who are appointed to lead that congregation. And it's really important to note here in Paul's case and in our missions work today that Paul or us or people who give their lives to serve Jesus on the other side of the world, we are not the primary agents of gospel change within a community. Paul established local elders, local leaders from the city in which they were seeking to reach. He didn't come in with his apostolic you know, superpowers and try to build a local church centered on himself. Rather, he trained local people to serve in the communities in which they already lived. In this story that I just shared, God used our team, yes, to reach this woman and her family, but God wants to use this woman and her family to reach the people around her. That's the design. That's how it goes. So up until this point, you've got Paul come in, entry to this place, Salamis. You, you, you see that he shared the gospel, seen people saved, evangelism. You see these new believers trained up, discipleship. You see elders being appointed in, lo, in local healthy churches. Again, church and leadership formation. And now we have the final stage of this missionary task. And that is exit. Final stage in the missionary task is exit. The IMB states that, um, we are to begin our work with the end in mind. We are to begin our work with the end in mind. Acts 14, 24 through 27, or 25 through 27 says this. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had, what? fulfilled. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared that all had got they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. I can observe a few things from, from this passage. Paul and Barnabas, they leave from the place that they were sent to. They return back to their sending church. They share of all the crazy stuff that God did during their time in this place. They they celebrate what God did and they celebrate that they fulfilled the task that God was asking of them. That doesn't mean they're done with missions, but God gave them a very specific task that they fulfilled. And so to summarize and to answer the questions that we're posing tonight, what is missions and what is the missionary task? It's everything that we've talked about tonight. The missionary task, it isn't vague. It is not unclear. Rather, scripture is so clear. God has called us to a very clear task and the task from this passage that we see tonight is accomplishable. What is the task? In summary, we, the church, the local church of Jesus from all over the world, we are to go to where the gospel is needed most. We are to enter into these places. We are to evangelize the heck out of it. We are to make disciples. We are to help form healthy churches and leaders, and we are to exit just to do it all over again and again and again. We do this work of reaching the unreached until Revelation 7 becomes a reality. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says this. 
And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples, from all languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. The truth in this passage is not yet realized, but one day it will be. It is now a task unfinished, but one day it will be finished and a people from every unreached people group will be reached. Every people from every people group on planet earth will be worshiping Jesus. Going back to the great commission, Jesus, he says he has all authority. And because he has all authority, we know that Revelation 7 will be true one day. We have a clear task. We have a clear mission. And God wants to use his church. He wants to use us. He wants to use you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. God wants to use us to go, to move, to uproot our life, to change our plans, to baptize, to teach, and to do each of these steps found within the missionary task. And we, students, we have to do something with this. I told my wife as I was writing this, I was like, man, I gotta really engage this on my own again. We have to do something with this. And so there's a few different questions for us tonight as we begin to wrap up. There's a few questions. First question is this. Be honest. Are you willing to consider spending your life reaching the unreached for Jesus? Are you willing to consider using your life to reach a portion of the 3.4 billion people who are currently living as unreached peoples? Some of you in here, you know that this is what God is calling you to. Some of you know that that is exactly how God wants to use you in your life. And your parents hate us for it, it's fine, but we, we know that you feel the need to go as a laborer. You've stood up and you've said, I will take steps towards going. And we love you. And we look forward by God's grace to sending you out of here one day. And some of you, like me, you've seen the need. You've heard the call and you've watched some of your best friends be sent out of here from this place to the furthest reaches of the globe and you feel more called to stay, more so to send. Being a sender is not a cop-out for not going. Let me say that again. Being a sender is not a cop-out for not going. In order to go effectively, we must send effectively. You might have heard this, maybe you haven't, it's fine, but it could be said that you are either a goer you are a sender or you are disobedient. You're either a goer, a sender, or you are disobedient to the clear commands of scripture. Missions is for all of us. It's not for a select few. It's not for the all-stars. It is for all of us. I, Cody, as a disciple of Jesus, I feel more called to stand in front of a room full of college students, putting this need before you and being a part of what God is doing to send out more laborers to the end of the world. I feel like God truly, I truly feel this way. I feel like God will use me more to be a mouthpiece and an advocate to these places that we're talking about over being sent myself. I feel like my life and the life of my family, we will have a higher kingdom impact being a part of sending rather than going. So what we try to do, we try to send faithfully. 
We try to use our vocations to send faithfully our money, our time, not as a cop-out for not going, but because we feel called to send. I've asked myself this question that I'm asking you tonight. Am I willing, truly willing, to use my life to reach the unreached? And if you're in here tonight, some of you, maybe you've never heard this. Maybe you've never heard about the 3.4 billion people who will live, die, and spend eternity apart from God. Maybe you've never heard that. And you feel in your spirit, I have to do something about that. A, I want to affirm that that's the right feeling. You should be feeling that. But if you are in here, maybe you've heard this a thousand times, maybe you haven't. But if you are in here and you feel a, a prick in your spirit to just have a conversation about what it could look like to be sent out from this place as a cross-cultural missionary, making a dent in the 3.4 billion people who will currently spend eternity apart from God, if you want to have a conversation, we would love to have a conversation with you. There will be people in the back at the prayer light who would love to just pray with you. And, and if, if you want to have a conversation, it's not like we're like, hey, yeah, we knew that you were going to come here. We actually have a ticket for you to go on the first plane out of here to the middle of nowhere. That's not how this is going to go. Okay, it's a conversation. If you feel God asking you to be obedient in this area, you should do it. Have the conversation. That's the first question. Are you willing to be sent? Second question, bigger question, I would argue. I believe that this question is for the majority of the people in the room tonight. And this question is this. Are you even willing to consider asking yourself the first question? Are you even willing to consider that God might want to use you to reach the unreached? Or is this question just totally off the table for you? Is your Christian life marked by, you, you know, doing things for Jesus so long as it like, I don't know, makes sense for you? So long as it's comfortable? Is, is anything like this that God might ask you to do, is it off the table? Is it out of bounds? Are you even willing to consider the possibility that God might want to use you to reach people for Jesus? The difference, you see, between the first group of people and the second group of people is, is around this idea of willingness. Has your discipleship to Jesus led you to a place of willingness to consider spending your life to reach the unreached? I remember where I was, uh, maybe a little bit too specifically, where I was first faced with this question. I was, I'd been at Redeemer for a few years and I was taking this class, now lovingly referred to as Mission of God. Anybody took it in here? Shout out, we love it, we love it. If you haven't, you should do it. And I knew, I knew, when I signed up for that class, I knew that I myself had been unwilling to ask myself this question, to really consider what God wanted from my life. I wanted to do ministry. I had already committed to doing the residency program. I had this perfect plan laid out for my life. And, and, and the answer to this question that I was afraid to ask myself could totally derail my plans. Anybody? Maybe this is you. Who knows what God might actually ask you to do, but God is only asking us to be faithful and to be willing to simply consider the question. And to kind of wrap up and to conclude, if you were to go get my phone. It's in a little green room over there. It's fun. You guys could check it out if you've never seen it. If you do go get my phone out of that green room, open up Find My Friends, you would see faces and people all over the world. These are people, these are my friends, some of them my very best friends who had successful lives stateside, who had the dog, who had the house, who had all the things that you maybe even verbally or non-verbally say that you want with your life. They are now serving Jesus 
on the ends of the earth, some six, some seven, some 8,000 miles away from where we are tonight in Lubbock, Texas. What in the world would compel people, just like me and you, regular people, not crazy people, regular people to change their plans, to move their lives, to move their families, to tell their parents bye for maybe a long time, what would compel them to move to the other side of the world? Jesus. His gospel. The great commandment to take the gospel to those who have yet to hear. This is what compels regular people just like me and you to go. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, to the church, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we, the church, are to be ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our newness in Christ is what compels us to move our lives to reach the unreached. Because of sin, y'all, because of sin, our world is broken. We are broken. Because of sin, we run from thing. I do it too. We run from thing to thing to thing to try to fix this God-shaped hole in our heart, and none of it works, and all of it is a lie. None of it works, and all of it is a lie. But God, he sent Christ. He sent his son to live the perfect life that we should have lived. Christ died the death that we deserve because of our sin. He died on the cross and he rose again three days later, defeating sin and death and everything that separates us from God, a bodily, real resurrection. If you've yet to believe in this, what is stopping you tonight? This is this ministry of reconciliation that God has given to us. This is the gospel and this is what God has tasked us with taking to the ends of the earth. The task is clear. The call is clear. The goal, it is achievable. But are you willing, honestly willing, to ask yourself these hard and difficult questions? Are you willing to consider changing your plans, being sent out from this little church in Lubbock, Texas, to be a part of reaching the 3.4 billion people who need what you have, who need what you have. And if you aren't, if you aren't even willing, understand that. I've been there myself. But what do you need to do? What do you need to give to God in order to ask yourself these questions? One of my best friends who currently serves uh, exactly 8,000, or sorry, yeah, 8,029 miles away used to always encourage me with this truth. He would say that there is joy in obedience to Jesus. There is joy in obedience to Jesus. Students, when Christ calls you to serve him, he calls you to life. He doesn't call you to dreadful service. He calls you to a full life, a full life. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief, the enemy, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But this is Jesus' words the same Jesus who calls us to go to the ends of the earth. He says that I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. Students, 
There is abundant joy in doing what God is asking of us to do. So as we, we're actually done, praise God, right? To conclude, I'm gonna pray and there's gonna be reflection questions up on the screen. Hallie, you can toss those back up. We are going to, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna pray in just a second. We're gonna leave these questions up for three or four minutes and the band is just gonna play. She's gonna play, you can sit there, you can stand up, you can do whatever it is that you feel God asking you to do. But we want you to ask these questions of yourself. If you are in here and have any sliver of confidence in your salvation, you should care about what we're talking about tonight. You should care. You should care that God is asking all of us in some way or another to be a part of reaching 3.4 billion people who do not know Jesus. And God wants to use some of you. God will for sure send some of you to unreached people groups. I, I can guarantee it. If you've never considered this question tonight, consider it. Ask yourself these questions. I'm gonna pray, band's gonna play, you guys are gonna get some time to consider and then we're gonna sing and we'll get out of here. Lord, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you, God, even tonight. I remember where I was hearing this, you know, similar message, asking these similarly difficult questions and I remember running so far from these questions afraid of what you might call me to or what you might call me away from. But God, you and your kindness, you met me there. And God, you want to meet every student in this room who is a follower of you. You want to meet them in these places of our heart that might be afraid, that might be fearful of what life could look like, of what life couldn't look like. It, it, you want to meet everyone tonight. And so God, I pray that you would meet students tonight, that you would at some, in some way or some fashion, call students tonight to serve your kingdom overseas, to reach the unreached. God, I pray that if there's any students here that just want to have a conversation, that want to just ask for prayer or clarity or take next steps, that there would be a boldness and a willingness in their spirit to have that conversation. God, I pray that you would do that. I pray that whatever students are feeling, that they would not shove it down, that they would have a conversation with someone and ultimately engage you in this. God, we love you. God, we thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.